welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. When I started my podcasting activities about half a year ago, I made a little survey amongst my potential listeners and asked them, what is the optimal length of a podcast episode for you? The answer was pretty clear, uh, was 20 to 30 minutes. Every now and then um, I have something I talk about a little longer, up to an hour or even even longer, and uh, I separate these episodes into two. And today we have one of these episodes. I have part one here of the monkey's brain and the rolling robot, which is on autonomous driving. Now we'll talk about all the backgrounds uh, of autonomous driving in this episode. And next week it will be about the user experience, the ethical and the technical and the legal problems connected to autonomous driving. So have fun with the first episode on autonomous driving here. The monkey's brain in a rolling robot, the future of automated driving. The monkey's brain, I really like this picture, comes up in the Buddhist meditation. The Buddhist monks, uh, when they meditate, um, and when you do this, you find out um, that this is true. Um, our brains are association machines, so... We jump from one thought to the next and we have this thought and then we jump to the next and we jump on, particularly uh, when you have uh, no external input or low external input and then your thoughts start wandering around and the Buddhist monks compare this with a monkey jumping around in, in a tree. The monkey's brain also stands for the genetical heritage that we have. We have very similar brain structures to most of uh, the other animals on this globe, particularly to, to mammals. So um, this monkey's brain and the rolling robot, the monkey's brain has these two meanings. The rolling robot is a automated autonomous car. And uh, what I will talk about is the misfit that we have uh, between the requirements of this rolling robot and uh, the monkey's brains that we have in our heads. Autonomous mobility is one of the big dreams of mankind. A good example of that is the Heaven's Triunfo, a mechanism they used in the theaters of the 16th and uh, 17th century in Europe. 
And um, they they put enormous amounts of effort into mechanisms to have vehicles uh, flying autonomously over the stage to give the the impression that there is a little car or yeah vehicle flying over the stage and uh, this is totally autonomous that there is no external uh, force uh, driving that the inhabitants of these cars the the uh, persons using it were never humans they were always gods so the gods had the authority they had the allowance they could fly autonomously over stages through the air and um, that shows how how big the dream was at that time that uh, the the inventors just uh, didn't allow humans to use their invention but uh, that this is a sheer thing connected to to gods not so far in the past but also a very relevant picture um, is this one you see in almost every presentation on autonomous driving is a picture of GM from the mid 50s where these typical mid 50s cars with a rocket wings in the, uh, in the in the back and then the rear ends are driving on magnetic rails on a, on a highway and you can see a family in there uh, sitting around a table so the, the father is in the driver's seat but it's turned around and uh, he's watching his family playing a game and uh, this picture created a lot of the idea of what autonomous driving is and it is taken as um, as an indicator that uh, autonomous driving is uh, something people are very much driven by, people are, are dreaming of. And yeah, we are, we are close uh, to, to making this a reality. Another way of autonomous driving that uh, some of us experience is when you have a chauffeur, when you have a driver. So if you want to have a an autonomous driving experience uh, today you just sit in the rear seat you take a taxi and somebody else is driving and and, and you can enjoy the ride in uh, whichever way you want to and uh, by the way this is used um, as, as test environments for autonomous driving for the user acceptance of autonomous driving it's called wizard of Oz testing so you are sitting as a driver in a car believing it is driving autonomously uh, but there is a real human driver hidden somewhere and uh, driving this car on a test track or even on, on real roads a bit background in the beginning the there are different levels of automated driving and um, there, there are various uh, systematic approaches of creating different levels they all deal with the type of division of tasks between the human and the rolling robot so basically who's doing what um, which part of the driving task or which part of the machine man machine system task is performed by the human and which part is performed by the um, automation mechanism by the software or by the machine so you have um, all these different um, um, yeah, systematic approaches and the one that uh, has the largest acceptance in the automotive community 
is um, the systematic created by the SAE, the Society of Automotive Engineers, an American uh, organization, U.S. American uh, uh, organization that uh, puts out various standards and, and recommendations. And uh, they put out that recommendation And uh, it is very useful, it is very systematic, um, it is uh, pretty obvious. And uh, so it finds a very good acceptance in the automotive community. And so if you talk to someone to, uh, out of the car industry and, and he or she says, well, we have level two automated driving uh, implemented in our cars, then this person is with a very high chance referring to level two of the SAE and not of any, others, uh, any other organization that, that puts out uh, systematics. Let's run through this. Um, there are levels one to five, uh, five levels in this one, plus that there is one more, that's level zero. People often miss that they said, hey, the five levels of SAE. No, that's six levels of SAE that we have. And level zero means zero automation. Level zero means all parts of the core driving task are performed by the driver, by the human, by the monkey's brain sitting behind the steering wheel and steering the car. So there is no support by, by the car. Level one supports one dimension of driving so the machine supports one level of the driving task one dimension of the driving task um, either lateral or longitudinal two typical technologies in that are lane assistance um, they take over the lateral driving task so the machine takes care the car takes care that you remain in the lane that uh, the lateral uh, driving is performed correctly and you as the driver the human have to take care about the longitudinal dimension or the other way around the car takes care about the longitudinal uh, driving task and you as a driver you have to take the steering wheel and you have to take care about the lateral driving task a typical example is an automated cruise control including uh, automated distance control. So you turn it on and say, okay, I'm going to drive 1.5 seconds behind the car uh, in front of me and I will drive a maximum of 120 kilometers per hour. You can adjust that. And then the car remains the distance to the car in front or if there is no car in front, it goes up to the speed that you have uh, programmed into it. So that's level one. One dimension of the driving task is performed by the machine and all the rest is performed by the human. In level two, surprise, surprise, two dimensions of the driving task are performed by the machine. This means longitudinal control and lateral control are performed by the machine. The car drives um, in the lane, uh, it drives incorrect distance it drives with a maximum speed so all this is controlled uh, by by the car and um, one could say that uh, that's it i mean we have um, fully autonomous driving the car is driving 
uh, laterally and longitudinally correctly, and so there shouldn't be any problem. Well, that's not the entire thing. But uh, with level two, we have reached um, this, let's say, driver assistance. Uh, we have brought the driver assistant to, to a completely new level. The idea behind level two is that the driver is supposed to be in control of the driving performance of the vehicle at all times. So we can take the feet of the pedals, we can take the hands of the steering wheel, but we need to keep our eyes on the road and our brains in the control loop. This is the typical level two situation and um, you can find this on, on, on various vehicles out there on the streets. That's uh, if you take one of these very latest cars, um, luxury cars, and um, you have these uh, level two very often implemented there. Um, in uh, some cars, it's just a simple button press that you do. And then uh, this car is in certain situations, in limited situations, for example, on autobahns, on highways. Uh, it takes you correctly from uh, over long distances. And sometimes you have to do things so that the car knows that you're still awake, that you're still in the loop. For example, uh, rattling the steering wheel, um, which from my point of view perverts uh, the idea of level two automated driving uh, a bit, because um, you can take the hands off the wheel, but you have to bring it back every 10 to 15 seconds. But anyway, um, it supports the driver. I was driving with a level two car over longer distance uh, a few weeks ago. And it very well supports the driver and um, it, it has quite some advantages. But um, it uh, puts on the monkey into your brain because um, you don't have to use your entire mental capacities to control the vehicle. But you can uh, wander around with your thoughts and uh, jump uh, through the tree uh, with, with the monkey brain that you have. Level three is basically like uh, level two, but the system is so advanced that uh, you can take your eyes off and your brain off for a certain amount of time in certain situations. So the car allows you to read a book or check your smartphone or do whatever you want. And it drives under certain conditions in certain environments um, autonomously. It drives by itself and you don't have to do anything to control the car. The big problem on level three is uh, you need to return into the driving task every now and then. If the car has a problem, it indicates this problem and you have to return, which from our point of view is a fair deal. The, the problem is that you have to return within a few seconds. That's what the rules say. The driver needs to return within a few seconds to the driving task. All research I am aware of shows that you need at least 40 seconds, 60 seconds, sometimes up to 120 seconds to build up a completely elaborated, fully working situation awareness. 
Situation awareness means that you know what's going on. Why is the stupid car ringing here? Why do I need to return? Who is where? Who is moving around me? Where am I? What am I supposed to do? What's going to happen next? And uh, how can I avoid the disaster that may come up uh, when the car is not able to drive by itself anymore? And uh, the few seconds the regulation uh, is talking about is interpreted uh, as three to four or maybe five seconds of time that we have. And then you see that there is a gap um, between the three, four, five seconds on one side that uh, the legal corpus is allowing us and um, the minimum 20 up to 120 seconds that you need to build up a full uh, situation awareness. So there is a lot of problems buried there um, that we need to solve. And some of the industry experts believe that if we don't solve level three, uh, we're going to kill the entire automated driving story. Some others say, well, then let's drop level three. But um, that is problematic because we also have level four. And uh, level four is basically a more elaborated level three. So the car can perform any driving task under any condition by itself. But we are not really sure whether this is really true. So the driver needs to return into the driving task. But there is a few minutes time opposed to a few seconds on level three. On level four, the driver has a few minutes to return. This is something I can believe in. This is something that um, it will work, that is possible. And uh, to build level four cars, we will probably need a lot of experience on level three. This is why I said mm, it's not so easy to skip level three. But uh, on, on level four, that is good. Plus the fact that level four uh, performs more driving situations, uh, for example, like automated parking, automated unparking, so that you can... Um, not only under, under certain and defined conditions, but uh, on almost the entire trip that you have from A to B, putting your car out of the garage, um, entering the car, um, then the human programs, the destination, and then basically all the rest is performed uh, by, by the car. So pulling the car out of the Uh, 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 the driveway and then going onto the streets, then driving in urban areas, driving on rural roads, onto the highway, and then uh, uh, parking the car at your destination. All that is basically performed uh, by uh, by the car itself. So on levels three up to level four, we will have interior architectures as we know it today. So there will be a steering wheel, there will be a paddle, There will be instruments uh, showing data on the trip. Uh, there will be a designated seat for somebody that is in control and in responsibility uh, on the entire driving task. So there is a priority seat in, in the car. So in, in Germany or in uh, most countries, Western countries, it's on the front left. On some like in England or uh, other, other British-dominated parts of the world, it's on the front right. But there is one special seat in the car that we have and there's instrumentation steering wheels and paddles 
Level 5 then is fully autonomous driving. So that is what we will not have a steering wheel, no uh, specific instrumentation, no special driver, basically driving parts. You just enter it, um, you, you sit down, and uh, from wherever the car knows where you want to go, either you program it in the car or you program it up front and send it to the car or whatever scenario um, you can think of. There are many different ones uh, discussed and there will be different different use cases and different scenarios. But the car will know where to go and then it does everything by itself. And uh, it takes you from A to B, wherever A is, wherever B is, and um, yeah, it just drives you the, the entire way. That is level five. That is then autonomous driving opposed to automated driving on the lower levels um, that, that uh, we have here. So, so much on the systematic uh, behind this, uh, so much uh, background information. Question is, uh, why does it make sense to have autonomous driving? I mean, that's, that's the question that's always driving me when, when uh, I'm, I'm working, when I'm doing my, my keynote speeches, when I'm doing my consultancy work, when I work with my clients. Uh, the, the question always is, why does it make sense? And uh, technology, from my point of view, should not be defined but what is possible, but it shall be defined, but what makes sense. So what is usable? What makes users' lives better? And so the question, what is the sense of autonomous driving? The first one is safety. Today, 90% of all car accidents have human courses are based on human error that was different in the early times of automotive way often things broke uh, tires blew up um, and engines broke or gearboxes broke or the brakes broke whatever happened there was, there was a lot of technological failure in the early days but uh, today um, that is different um, there is hardly any serious uh, problem um, unpredicted uh, sudden problem that we have okay maybe a tire blows up but um, that is very seldom so 90 percent of all accidents involving a car have some kind of human error some kind of human cause as a reason and we will eliminate that with a well-defined uh, uh, automated driving procedure it does not mean that we will go down to 10% in the first step, but long term, I think it is possible, maybe even less. In the beginning, we will, of course, have machines killing humans, uh, which surprisingly is something we as humans do not um, accept as much as we accept humans killing humans in cars, but that's a different topic. Uh, we will reduce the number of accidents and fatalities in traffic drastically with autonomous driving. Another point is more people are becoming mobile. More people get the chance to have a personalized uh, private or uh, 
partially private uh, mobility that we have. So my father, for example, um, he is uh, physically handicapped and uh, I'm very happy that he gave up driving a few years ago and uh, the uh, today he's calling a taxi or taking public transport if he wants to travel. But uh, with an autonomous car, he would have uh, probably even more uh, mobility, easier mobility, more personalized mobility. So that is a reason. Another one is my, my youngest son is mentally handicapped. So he's not able to travel alone. But with an autonomous car that I send him to the place where he lives, he could enter that and then uh, drive to my home fully uh, autonomously and, and could visit me anytime he, he wanted to. So those are, and we have these um, aging societies. Uh, we have many people that uh, have difficulties in being mobile. Mobile. So at the end of the day, yeah, um, more people uh, would would have uh, the chance to to travel when we have autonomous cars. Autonomous cars are cleaner. Um, trips are optimized. And uh, in most of the scenarios, uh, when we talk about level four and level five autonomy, uh, there is a communication between the cars and between cars and infrastructure. Um, so there's a lot of data exchange, and this will allow in the planning of the trip and in the when the when the trip is conducted, when when the car is driving, will allow um, an easier, smoother. Um, better traffic flow and uh, with it at the end of the day, even with electric cars, a cleaner, a more energy efficient way of travel. And that is something, the final point, why does it make sense to have autonomous cars is uh, something people think of uh, uh, very often at the first. That is that you can use the time that you gain uh, for something else. Audi calls this the 25th hour. So if you have a one hour commute every day and you are driving today, then you can use this time either for work or for leisure things, for gaming, for shopping, whatever. Um, there are many different activities you can perform when you do not need to drive anymore, particularly on levels three and up or only on levels three and up. You can check mails, you can make phone calls, you can talk to people in the car, you can play a game, you can do some shopping. By the way, one of the reasons why Amazon was very much interested in autonomous driving because they believe that the this 25th hour, the additional time that you have, some, some time you could spend on their shops and, and spend some money for them. If you look back... In autonomy. Um, I mean, some of that, what I just explained, is, is partially there. And even in the past, we had uh, various parts of the driving process, of the entire driving process, that were automated uh, pretty early times. So uh, when you had a car 100 years ago, you needed to do some fine-tuning of uh, the ignition. You needed to just yeah, the, the point in time when, when the spark plug put out the spark needed to be adjusted according to various parameters. And, well, I would not know how to do this if you give me a car like this. I mean, I don't know whether any of you would be able to, to make this fine-tuning of, of the ignition. 
Then we have um, automatic gearboxes that uh, take over uh, the the gear changes, uh, the adaption of, of uh, the gearbox automatically. And um, in some countries like the US, for example, automatic gearboxes are the absolute standard. So manual gearboxes are the absolute uh, exception so that it counts as a big adventure to drive a hand-driven uh, gearbox. It's stick stickbox, I think it's called there. Anyway, um, that is coming. And if we get electric cars, uh, we will not have gearboxes anyway. But that was a well, very early automation of the driving process. Others are more secondary functions like uh, rain sensors, turning on and off the windscreen wipers, the automatic high beam control that we have, uh, the distance cruise control that we have. So all these things are available. Um, they have different levels of maturity, but uh, they are in cars and um, they're accepted as more or less standardized technologies in vehicles. Now, and that is the game changer, this is the reason why automated driving is uh, so much on a focus at the moment. Now it comes to the control of the lateral and the longitudinal guidance of the vehicle, so the core, core driving task. That's going to be controlled by the machine in the future. And level two, as I described, is it is here. We have it. You can buy it. You can go out and you can buy a level two car. Level three has the problems I described with the entire handover procedure because there you have on level two, three, and partially on level four, you still have a combined um, effort of the human uh, and the rolling robot, of the monkey's brain and, and, and the rolling robot, um, they need to work together on these levels. And so you have to design the handover procedures. You have to design this common work um, that they have to perform. And uh, so this is the point where I believe that level three has uh, serious uh, problems. Levels uh, four and five will come with the higher levels. Um, my personal idea is it will be later than we expected. So five years ago, um, uh, one of the big automotive suppliers, first year suppliers said uh, in 2022, 2023, we will have level four and five on streets. No, I don't think so. We will not have it. We will see this, but we will see this at a later point in time. And if you look at the activities of the car makers of the automotive OEMs, then you will find out, you will see um, that these activities are cut down. It costs a lot of money, uh, all the sensors, the electronics, the software that you need, uh, all the mechanics behind it, um, that costs a lot of money, all the testing procedures, all the safety and security procedures that you need to have. All that is not for free, and uh, at the end of the day, we have a product that works, and if we implement level 2 and maybe level 3, which is still costly but not as much as 4 and 5, uh, we have a solution out there that works. And um, so if you see uh, the, the budget cuts at OEMs as far as autonomous driving is concerned, my belief is it will take a few years longer than we expect. Don't Don't pin me down on an exact number. 
But um, 10 years, I think, is realistic uh, until we have a serious car that is uh, fully autonomous. So more and more specific activities today are being taken over by the vehicle. For example, parking, unparking the car, um, driving on a, a highway, on an autobahn, uh, for example, driving in a traffic jam with a traffic jam assistant. So um, this is this is the, the level two automation that we have specific situations where you control the car. And um, yeah, we will go beyond this in, in, in a foreseeable time frame. The car manufacturers, as I said it, uh, are restricting their activities at the moment. They are limiting uh, the budgets. Um, this one of the reasons I think is that uh, electromobility is forced by politics, by the legislation, by the regulators onto the streets, and um, that has a higher priority. So the development budgets, um, the people are put onto that one at the car makers and the suppliers. And uh, we have a solution for driving. Um, so the pressure is not as high in this area as it is in the electrification of the drivetrain. I read a prognos study. Prognos is um, a yeah, market research institute, and uh, they put out a study on autonomous driving lately. I read this, and they said fully autonomous driving widespread in 2040. This matches my forecast, first serious cars in 2030. So... The problem we will see is that we will have traditional vehicles until 2050 and beyond. So we have mixed traffic. And the real advantages, the full uh, advantages, for example, like safety or smoother traffic, they will become visible they will become um, let's say big relevant when we have uh, autonomous driving only as long as we have mixed traffic as long as humans are involved in some of the cars in the driving task maybe even on level zero um, as long so long we were in that time until then we will have uh, accidents and, and not optimized traffic flows so it is beyond 2050 that we will have a fully autonomous fleet with all the advantages I, I described. This was the first episode on the monkey's brain and a rolling robot on autonomous driving. Next week, looking forward to the next, the second episode, which has a stronger focus on user experience and autonomous driving. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, beta-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.